23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then from John 10, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired man, who is not a shepherd, and who has the only sheep he was in, abandons him and runs away whenever he ogles the wolf, leaving the wolf to savage and scatter them. Donzo, because he's a paid man, and he doesn't care for the flock. But I am the good shepherd. I ken my sheep, and my yowies ken me. Just as the feather kens me, and I ken the feather, and I am to lay down my life for my sheep. But for by the sheep that bide in this fold, I hate others that I mun bring in tea. They will tack tent when I call them, and sin there will just be the one herself and the one shepherd. The feather loves me because I'm laying down my life for to tack it back up again. There's nobody forcing me to pair to it, and I'm laying it down on my own free will. I've got the freedom to lay it down, and I've got the freedom to tack it up again. Don's the church that's been gied to me by the feather. On hearing their words, it set the Jews at odds with one another. A queen of them said, he's going gait. There's a very devil in him. For only favour, why do you hate him? But others said, nah, yon's know the way a man speaks when he's possessed of the deal. And forby, can only evil spirit guard the blind to see? Amen. And may the Lord be thanked for the words of wisdom. I grew up in Ayrshire, in a wee mining village. And my mother used to say, don't bring that street talk into this house. You'll speak English in here. So that was some of the street talk. And it kind of makes the point, I suppose, that, that Jesus was for real. He would have the equivalent of that kind of language in Aramaic among his own people. Because the people he was with weren't learned, mostly. They weren't book people. They probably couldn't read and write a lot of them but they had a language that he shared. So our theme today is, I am the Good Shepherd. And as we've heard before from Eric, um, there are seven times Jesus says, I am, and then defines himself. And the Jews, even those who weren't very well learned, would know that I am was a name that God gave to himself a way back in the Old Testament, and particularly 
when Moses was called, when he was at the burning bush, remember, Moses says, who will I say sent me? Tell them that the I am has sent you. you That's a strange name. And I, I suppose, I don't know all the original language stuff, but as I understand it, what it means is, I am the same forever. I am the same as I was, and I'm now and will be forever. So when God says in Exodus 34 that he is compassionate and so on, he is compassionate forever, slow to anger forever, forgives forever. So Jesus comes and he says, you know that I am that appeared to Moses? That's me. And today I'm going to define how I am by telling you that I'm the good shepherd. And he unpacks that a bit, which is what we're going to do today. Anybody ever watch Landward? I really like it because it's very Scottish. And there's a shepherd in that that I really like with a broad smile called Cammy. You come across Cammy? And you get the impression that he really loves his sheep and he knows a good one from a bad one. But it's a bit different from what shepherds in the Middle East did because most of the time, the wool and the sheep is worth nothing in today's world. And they're breeding them for their meat. So they may, maybe don't get past a year old before they're brought to the butcher. But in the Middle East, it wasn't like that. The wool, the wool was valuable and the sheep lived for years and the shepherd got to know all his sheep for a while and in fact, usually gave them all names. And uh, of course, where here we see um, shepherds sending the, the sheep dogs to herd them and drive them into a pen. In Jesus' day, the sheep and shepherds had such a relationship that the shepherd walked in front and he knew that his sheep would follow him. So that was different as well. And also, the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. Now that, I think, can be true today as well. But I think more so for a Middle Eastern shepherd. Uh, there are some lovely stories in, written by historians, and, and there's one where he noticed, uh, and he writes about a cave near Bethlehem. This would be maybe a century ago, where there were two flocks sheltering from the weather in the cave. And the only ones that came out when the shepherd called were the ones that were his. The others stayed put. And there's another lovely story of a little boy in Haifa in the 1930s when they, it was, a, I think, a British protectorate. And the people were treated really fiercely. And the sheep were all taken away. And this wee boy had half a dozen sheep that were his that he cared for and looked after. That was his future. And so he went to where all these hundreds of sheep were penned. And he just shouted for his sheep. And the only ones that came out were the six that knew his voice. And he got them back. I think it's a lovely story. So it was a, quite a different world from the world of sheep today. And it's important to know that when Jesus talks about being the shepherd. And I've read a couple of books about this. There's one by uh, Philip Keller, who grew up in East Africa and was a shepherd 
for many years. And he describes much the same kind of things that happened in the Middle East. And um, my dad used to love the preaching and the writing of a free church minister called Douglas Macmillan, who's long dead. And he wrote a book about Psalm 23. And even in today's world, some of the things of Psalm 23 rang true for a shepherd. And of course, the imagery of sheep and shepherds in Scripture is not just Psalm 23. Uh, the, the other Psalms have, uh, have lots of references to sheep and shepherds. Um, Psalm 79, which wasn't written by David, we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. There's a lovely verse in Isaiah 40 about the tenderness of God. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms and gently lead those that are with young. And of course, that was definitely a prophetic reference to Jesus as the good shepherd. And Matthew's gospel comments that Jesus saw the people as being like sheep without a shepherd. They were milling around all over the place, didn't know where to go, didn't know what to believe, didn't know who to follow, and he had compassion on them. And he called his disciples a little flock. And then, of course, Luke 15 has got the story of the lost sheep, where there were 99, as the Beverly Shea song goes, that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. But one was lost on the hill away, far off from the streets of gold. And the shepherd leaves his 99, a place of safety, and goes off and maybe walks for miles to find the sheep that was lost. So the imagery is there everywhere. And the context of this story is the previous chapter, uh, John 9, where Jesus recovers sight for a man who was born blind. Now, we hear elsewhere of Jesus giving people their sight back, but this was a real dramatic miracle. This was a man born blind who presumably didn't have eyes that worked and had ever worked. And Jesus gave him his sight, and he was absolutely amazed. And he had no idea who did it. Who was this man who gave me my sight? And he went and looked for him. And Jesus found him in the temple. And at that point, when he understood that Jesus did that because he was the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one that all Israel waited for, he said, I believe. And it created chaos among the people who should have known better. The learned people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people who knew their Old Testament scriptures, but they didn't see Jesus for who he was. They only saw him upsetting their routines and getting in the way of their religion. So Jesus comes in and explains what it means to believe. And I'll just pick out one or two phrases that Jesus says in this passage. In verse 14, he says that he knows us and we as his sheep know him. Verse 11, verse 15, he laid down his life for us. I think that phrase occurs about five times in that discourse. And he lays down his life and he says, I will take it up again. And that's a promise of resurrection. 
that the I am, who is the good shepherd, will never stop being the good shepherd. Even after he dies, he will take up his life again. Verse 16, remarkably, Jesus chose us to be part of his flock. And verse 28, beyond the bit that Rob read, he says, I promise my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can take them from my hands or from my Father's hands. And in verse 10, just before the bit he read, Jesus speaks about giving these sheep that are part of his flock, you and me, a rich and abundant life. And you read that and think, yeah, I know all that. I'm familiar with that. But I wonder, have you actually taken that into your own heart and lived it in the day-to-day life that you have? Because that's what Jesus means us to do. So what? Well, I guess this might be one of the most important things that happened in the whole of the Old Testament, where Moses went up the mountain and God said, I'm going to show you who I am. Because Moses has said, how can I lead this people if I don't really know you, God? In Exodus 34, then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. And the footnote in this says, Yahweh is a transliteration of the proper name YHWH in Hebrew, which is sometimes rendered Jehovah. And it's usually translated in our English Bibles as the Lord. The, the, the Jews didn't put vowels in, they just put consonants in. And they came to revere the name of God so much that they never said it. So they called him the Lord. And here's how he defines what his name means. The God of compassion and mercy. I'm slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. That is the I am that Jesus says, That's me. I am the Yahweh who revealed himself to Moses. But I want you to know that for you today, I am the good shepherd. So one of the things that's out of that is that it gives us a sense of belonging. Now, in a sense, we we do have a sense of belonging because we're part of the church. And we belong to each other, but we belong to Jesus And we live in a fragmented society and lots of mental health issues around. People are lonely and made worse, I think, by the lockdown we had with COVID, where they had no one to speak to, no one to relate to. I bet at that time, your relationship with God was really important, wasn't it? Where you could, even in the comfort of your own home, when you couldn't meet anyone, the one person you knew who'd be with you was your good shepherd. Lots of people are lost today, and I think we have a message to bring them that we know the good shepherd, and they can too. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I get kind of uncomfortable when people say to me about their personal relationship with God, because 
it sounds much more personal than mine often is. And sometimes I don't feel as close to God as others. But we walk by faith and not by sight, and we know that our good shepherd has our best interests at heart all the time. So that's one thing, we belong. Another one is that we are known inside out. Now that can be uncomfortable. The person you're married to probably doesn't even know you inside out. You'll have a few little secrets that you keep to yourself. That new coat that you bought that cost too much that you've shoved at the back of the cupboard in case he sees it. Sometimes for me, it's uh, when I, I'm quite happy to walk the dog on my own sometimes. And I can't admit that because I quite like to listen to an audiobook when I'm doing it. And I can't do that if we do it together. I can't tell her that. She might be offended. So we all have our little secrets. But Jesus knows us inside out. And the great thing is that he doesn't reject us because he knows all these little quirks we have. And the sins that we hide, he still loves us. He doesn't want us to live in sin, but he loves us anyway. Psalm 139. That's a favorite psalm of mine. And I think of many people. Lots of bits in it that I really like. Because they're really personal. And they show that God knows me. And knew me even before I was conceived. But I'll just read verses 17 and 18. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. You ever thought of that? That God loves you so much that he actually is quite pleased when he thinks about you. And he thinks, yeah. She's mine. She's my special possession. I love her to bits. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And Paul says in Galatians, when he writes to the church there, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. We are known with all our faults and failings. And actually, sometimes I'm aware of having to come to God with the same things again and again. And he doesn't reject me because he knows them before I tell him. But he wants me to tell him and to move on. And the third thing is, he leads us. Psalm 23 speaks about it, and you know how he says, he leads us by green meadows and still waters. Imagine sheep that long for green grass to eat and nice cool water to drink on a hot day. Jesus, the shepherd, knows where to take us to get these things that we need. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? And he also leads us when we've got to go through dark valleys. I guess sheep had to go through dark valleys to get to the, the refreshing water and the green grass on the other side. And in these dark valleys, Jesus is with us. Have you gone through dark valleys lately? I, th I know some of you have. And even just surviving 
This lockdown period was a bit of a dark valley, wasn't it? Jesus was with you through that and is with you still. And I know many of you have suffered loss of loved ones that you still desperately miss. Jesus is with you in your grief. Are you struggling with illness? Are you frustrated by disability? Jesus is with you in your dark valley. And actually, I'm quite challenged by the idea that Jesus is there to lead us and our responsibility is just to follow, to stay close and follow, see where he's going and follow him. That's something I'm not very good at. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now lately, I think I've had a few occasions where I've just gone ahead and I haven't checked with the Lord first. I haven't at the beginning of the day said, Lord, here are the things that might happen today. I want to submit them to you and please will you make my path straight. I haven't always done that. And sometimes I've looked back and I've thought, hmm, that could have been better. Allow Jesus to lead you into even the small things of your day. And the fourth thing, very quickly, he gives us eternal life. Not just a hope of heaven, which is no small thing. But right now, I remember when I was working in palliative care, one of the first people that I met in the hospice who was coming in to die was a man who'd been a steel worker and his life had fallen apart. And he had no hope, he had no future. And I said, what do you think as you're, as you're facing death? How can I help you prepare for it? He said, nah, once it's over, it's over. And he was so miserable, he had no future. And he just died. Nobody witnessed his death. Nobody mourned him. He hadn't a hope of going anywhere. But you and I have eternal life, which is a hope of an eternity with God. But we can have that now. And that's this thing about letting him lead us and having a relationship with him, where we have a dialogue with Jesus all the time. You may not hear his voice speak to you, Although you may, some people do. I tend not to. But I get a sense that he's with me. And sometimes as I read the scriptures, God speaks to me through that and directs my life. And maybe you should do the same. And finally, we're all shepherds too. God has called us to be pastoral people. And I don't just mean people who are ministers or elders in the kirk. I mean, all of us, there are people for whom we need to be responsible and to give them guidance and to help them also to follow Jesus.